0: I want to begin by sharing something to you this morning about myself that I don't normally share with people. It's uh, not something I'm proud of, but I feel as if I need to share it with you this morning because it goes along with what we're going to be talking about today, and it's this I am not good in emergency situations. I'm not. I'm not. Just being honest. If you are ever in an emergency and you need help and I'm the only other person with you, you're probably in trouble, all right? And because I'm this way, I, I love it when I'm given a detailed set of instructions On what to do in a particular situation I do have a good memory and I'm a good rule follower so if I have a good set of instructions if I have that beforehand I'm better but if not I'm in trouble and whoever's with me is in trouble as well well if you have your Bibles turn to Acts chapter 28 we are going to learn in our passage this morning that God gives us instructions on what to do when times get tough. And in this passage we're going to look at this morning, he gives those instructions through the example of his apostle. For those who have been here with us over the past few weeks, you know that Paul has been in an emergency situation. And he is not yet out of the woods. Last week we left Paul and the other prisoners along with the Roman soldiers and a centurion named Julius, Paul's companions, Luke and Aristarchus and the sailors aboard this ship sailing to Rome shipwrecked on the island of Malta. They have had a wild trip so far. They had not intended to sail across the Mediterranean Sea in the winter months and over the past few weeks we have been talking about how dangerous it was to sail the open seas in this part of the world in this day at this time let's uh, take a look at the map real quick they uh, meant to sail notice they meant to sail up the coast from fair havens and dock at phoenix on the island of crete for the winter but instead strong winds winds of hurricane force carried them out to sea, And they were stuck in a storm for 14 days. They did not have control over the ship. It was so bad that everyone aboard this ship lost hope. They did not think they would survive. Everyone except for Paul. Paul had already been promised by the Lord when he was in Roman custody in Jerusalem that he was going to make it to Rome. And he was going to be a witness for Christ there And though several years had passed since that promise was made, Paul kept his sights on that city. And while on the ship, in the midst of this storm, we're told that an angel of the Lord appears to Paul and he reaffirms this promise once again to him and also tells Paul that everyone aboard this ship are going to make it to Rome. Well, last week we looked at, at uh, Acts 27. We finished out that chapter and we learned at the end of that chapter that they do make it through this storm. And no one is harmed, but they do not make it to Rome right away. They end up shipwrecked on this little island here. Look at the next uh, part of the map here, the, the next marking there. We have Malta that, that is marked there. So this is their trip from Caesarea to the island of Malta that that red arrow leading them out you see that there so today in the first part of Acts 28 we're gonna talk a bit more about this this difficult trip to this island and the difficulties that they faced on this island on their way to Rome. And we're going to learn from Paul, from his example, from this situation, from this passage today, how we are to respond when times get tough. This morning I want to look at the first 16 verses of Acts chapter 28 and I want to draw out several principles, several things to remember when times get tough. Number one, we learn from Paul here that when times get tough, God's people are to remember God's promises. God's people are to remember God's promises. Now, this is going to be a bit of a review for some of you, but bear with me. We learn in Acts 27 and Acts 28 that the difficulties for Paul on this trip began while he was at sea. Again, while they are trying to sail up the the coast of Crete to Phoenix for the winter, they are carried out to sea by hurricane winds and we're told they're in a storm for 14 days. They're unable to control this ship and they're unable to navigate because Luke tells us they couldn't see the sun by day nor could they see the stars by night for days on end. Imagine how terrifying that might be. They're in a bad way. They're in a crisis situation. Like I said a moment ago, after a few days, everyone on board this ship began to lose hope. Even Luke, our author, the author of this book, did not believe that they were going to make it. Everyone felt this way except for Paul. Why did Paul feel different? We've already talked about it. He had a word from God, right? God had promised. That Paul was going to make it to Rome when he was in Roman custody in Jerusalem. And in the midst of the storm, like we said a moment ago, we are told that an angel of God appears to Paul and says, Acts chapter 27, verse 24, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. And behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you and luke tells us in verse 25 that paul takes that promise and he shares that with the rest on board this ship and after he shares that promise from God, Paul says, Acts 27, verse 25, take heart, men, for I have faith in God that it'll be exactly as I have been told. So so we see here, when times got tough for Paul, he remembered and trusted in God's promises. That's a great word for us, isn't it, believers? Now, like I've said over the past couple of weeks in here though God has not appeared to all of us and sent an angel to us and spoken audibly to us and made specific promises to our specific situation we do have a certain word from him that we can and should look to and cling to and trust in when times are tough for example God tells us in his word that he is always with us Even at times when it seems as if he isn't, he is. He is everywhere and is most certainly with his people and he is at work in their lives. We also learn from this book that God is good. Though he is often at work in the midst of the bad, God is good. And he is at work in the midst of the mess that we have made because of our sin. He is working in and through that mess, bringing things, driving history to his ultimate and good end. So the the promise we have in tough times is that God is with his people. He is good and he is also in control at all times, even at times, especially at times when it seems as if God is not in control. Those are the very times we find he is very much in control. And that promise leads us to our second point. When tough times come, not only are God's people to remember God's promise, but God's people are also to remember God's providence. Uh Uh-oh, we got some peas here starting to sound like a preacher right promises and providence God's people are to remember God's providence they're to remember that God is in control at all times in he is at work in and through people systems and circumstances he has allowed and he has put into place look at where we see this look at verses 1 and 2 of Acts 28 Luke says After we were brought safely through, we then learned that the island was called Malta. Notice they didn't even know where they were at first. Verse 2, Luke says, The native people showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and welcomed us all, because it had begun to rain and was cold. Remember, it's in the winter months. So notice here, we see God is at work through the landing on this island and through the kindness of this native people. Now, some will say, "Well, well, Graham, how do you know that was God? How does this prove he was involved? It could have just been coincidental that they landed on Malta and are shown kindness. Well, remember, an angel appears to Paul first, and Paul gives that message to them, right? And I also want to show you something, but before I do, I want to remind you. Once again, this ship is being carried out to sea by these hurricane winds and the sailors on board are barely able to see what's in front of them they don't have the sun to guide them by day the stars by night and now i want you to look at this map once again and i want you to notice the teeny tiny island of malta it was about 18 miles wide very very small of all the places that they could have landed what are the chances of them hitting this island head on do you see how easy it would have been for them? They didn't have control of this ship until they got close to the coast. You see how easy it would have been for them to just miss that and continue out into open waters? You see God's hand of providence here? He's guiding them right to this island, He has plans for them there. He works in and through this storm, in and through these hurricane winds to lead this boat right to this teeny tiny island. We also see here that God is at work through the people on this island. Natives were not usually this kind. You know how I know that? Because Luke says the native people of Malta were unusually kind. Unusual is not usual, right? They showed us unusual kindness. Think about it. This was a big crew on board this small island that had had, uh, set sail. They had landed on this, crashed on this small island. 276 men. That's a lot to care for. They could have left them to freeze to death. We're told it was raining and cold in the middle of winter. Now, I know they have some Roman soldiers with them, but most were prisoners and ministers, and they're so weak as well. They could have just left them to fend for themselves. They probably would have froze and starved to death but they took them in they kindled a fire and welcomed everyone this was out of the norm folks god is at work here he is actively at work in his world through people through systems through circumstances both good and bad and he is bringing things to his ultimate good end believers that should comfort you and encourage you today There are some evil people in positions of authority today. There are some awful circumstances that we have to endure in wicked systems at work doing terrible things that affect us and those around us today. But listen, we're told by God in his word that he is at work through the good and the bad, through the righteous and the wicked, through the moral and the corrupt, bringing things to his ultimate and good end, and we can rest in that truth, and we are to trust in him and faithfully follow him through the storms of this life, no matter what. We learn that from this passage here. We learn that when tough times come, God's people are to remember that God is a God of providence. We also learn that when tough times come, God's people are to remember God's protection. God's protection. Look at what happens here. Look at verse 3. Very interesting. When Paul had gathered a a bundle of sticks and put them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened to his hand. When the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer. Though he has escaped from the sea, justice is not allowed for him to live. He, however, shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. They were waiting for him to swell up and suddenly fall down dead. But when they had waited a long time, they saw no misfortune come to him. They changed their minds and said that he was a god. So notice here, shortly after arriving, Paul's gathering sticks to put them into the fire. And as he's doing that, a viper, a venomous snake, is drawn out by the heat of the fire, and it fastens itself to Paul's hand. And we're told that the natives, when they saw this, they said, no doubt, Paul must be a murderer. Now, why did they think that? Well, they're revealing something here about what they believe at this time. Here we see that their beliefs are not much different than the way that many primitive tribes in unreached areas of the world think and believe today. They were an animistic group of people who believed that when bad things happen to people, that indicates someone has upset something in the spiritual realm. Many believe that today. Many believe if, if one is threatened with something that is life-threatening, they must have committed a horrible offense that has not been atoned for. They thought because Paul was bitten by a deadly and venomous viper, then he must be a murderer. But, but notice that they were wrong. In their beliefs right you notice that once again we're reminded of the fact that people can be sincerely wrong in what they believe we have a world today that says it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere about it no you can be sincerely wrong in what you believe we see that here and I believe that God he doesn't allow this to happen because Paul is a bad guy we know that but he allows this to happen to draw attention to himself I believe God is allowing this to happen to shatter their false system of belief, which is exactly what happens. Notice in verse 5, we're told Paul shook the, the snake off into the fire. He suffered no harm. And when they saw that he did not swell up and kill over, They changed their mind and said that Paul was a god, which reveals another thing about their system of belief that is consistent with many of the traditional animistic beliefs in our world today. Very fickle, right? Very subjective and very messed up. One minute, they're calling Paul a murderer. The next minute, they're calling him a god. Very different from the unchanging and eternal god that we serve who has given us an unalterable, unchanging, constant, clear, and true message. Believers, we are not to be fickle in what we believe because we belong to an unchanging and eternal God who has given us his unchanging, inerrant, infallible word to guide us. Now, back to the point at hand. I want you to notice here that God takes care of his apostle, doesn't he? Again, we know the reason why Paul doesn't die here is because God has plans for him in Rome. He's already told him that. God is not yet done with his apostle. His time is not yet up. And we are going to see that God has plans for his apostle here on this island. He has plans to use him in a mighty way here for his kingdom purposes on the island of Malta. And believers, the same is true for you today. Though our days are numbered... They are. Our dying day has not yet come. Believers, right? Hopefully, for none of y'all in here, dying day's come yet. Yeah. Therefore, we are to remain faithful to him no matter what. No matter what happens. In the good and in the bad, we are to risk for God and his kingdom. Listen, risk is right for the cause of Christ. And though we are not to be careless, we are also not to buy into the lie that we're safe. We're not. Every one of you risked this morning. You got into a, a vehicle and you came to church, right? And we have learned through observing how other people's time on this earth have, has ended that, that we're not safe whether we ride the freeways or stay at home. Risk is right when it's done for Christ. Our days are numbered. And scripture is crystal clear that God is our fortress. He is our shield, our deliverer. And when our time on earth is through, it's through. But we're to be faithful until that day, knowing, get this, that our life is in God's hands, believers. That's the way Paul lived his life. And notice also, he takes advantage of the situation. That leads us to our next point. When times get tough for God's people, not only are God's people to remember God's promises, they're to remember God's providence, they're to remember God's protection, but they're also to remember God's plan. God's people are to remember God's plan. I know I've said this before, but it needs to be said again and again. Oftentimes, when God's people go through tough times, they get their focus off of serving God and serving others. They turn inward, they become self centered, solely focused on their own problems. Paul did not. And think about all that Paul had been through. He had been imprisoned and sidelined from mission ministry for over two years. When he was finally allowed to travel to Rome, he did so as a prisoner. He was stuck in a storm, shipwrecked. I'm sure he was starving, cold, wet, and tired. And now he had been bit by a venomous snake. Things were not going well for Paul, right? But we learn in the first part of Acts 28, he didn't sulk. He didn't sulk, he didn't quit, though he was not where he longed to be in ministry. He was where God wanted him to be, and he remained faithful where God had him. Look at verse 7. Now in the neighborhood of that place were lands belonging to the chief man of the island named Publius who received us and entertained us hospitably for three days. Let's stop there for just a minute. Here we're introduced to a man named Publius. Publius was mentioned by name here because he is the one in charge, the chief man on the island. And notice once again how well Paul and the others are received. We're told that Publius received them all, all 276 of them. He entertained them hospitably for three days. And notice while they're staying with him, a door opens for Paul to minister to Publius's family. Look at verse 8. It happened that the father of Publius lay sick with fever and dysentery. And Paul visited him and prayed and putting his hands on him healed him. And when this had taken place, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases also came and were cured. They also honored us, Luke says, greatly. And when we are about to sail, they put on board whatever we needed. So notice here, while they're staying with Publius, God opens a door for Paul to minister to his family on this island. Now remember, Malta was not where they wanted to be, but was where God wanted them to be. He opens a door for Paul on this island, and Paul, instead of sulking and complaining about the fact that he had not yet gotten to Rome, we learn here that Paul continues to be faithful, where God has him on this island. Not only did God use Paul to heal Publius's father, but many who had diseases. Luke tells us the rest who had diseases came to Paul and were cured. And notice how Paul healed these people. We're told he prayed and he laid hands on those he healed. He prayed because God's the one doing the healing, right? And he laid hands on them to show that God was doing this great healing through his great apostle. And though we're not told by Luke here, I imagine Paul was preaching as well, don't you? Don't you think Paul was preaching here? I mean, he didn't go anywhere without doing that. He was there for for three months. I'm sure he had plenty of time to share the gospel with Publius and his family and others. We have mentioned this a few times already in this book that God often performed miracles through Paul and his other apostles to shine light on his great gospel through his great messengers. And I believe that's what Paul spent his time doing in the three months he was in Malta. We learn from the history books that by the 3rd and 4th century, there was still a thriving Christian community on this island. There are catacombs you can visit today with engravings on the wall that indicate that at one time there was a solid Christian community on this island. I have a picture up uh, taken from the catacombs in Malta. Check this out. There's, there's one picture there. The uh, place where Paul landed, we have a picture of that as well. This is where they landed, the next pick. This is called St. Paul's Bay, all right? And that's a pick of it off the island of Malta. And get this, history also tells us that Publius came to Christ and became the first bishop in Malta. He is known today as St. Publius, and after his conversion, Malta became the first Christian nation in the West and one of the first in the world. Was God doing a the work there? You better believe it. Did God have plans for them to go to Malta? Might he have allowed for that storm to bring them to Malta, you think? You think? Just, just some thoughts there. God used Paul in incredible ways. On this island, during one of the one of the darkest and most difficult times in Paul's life, Paul remained faithful and was used in amazing ways by God. And believers, God can and will use you in this way as well. We've said this already in this study, but but we have seen this in, in Paul's life. We have seen this in and through the ministry of Peter and others in this book, and here we see it once again. There are great opportunities for ministry in times of great difficulty. We talked about in the trials of Paul's life, Paul saw ministry opportunities. What about you? What about you? When you go through trials, you see opportunities to minister? Boy, they're there. I've seen God use many of you through times of of pain and suffering to minister to those around you, in your family, and and, and non-believers in your life as well. Don't waste those opportunities, folks. They're there. Paul didn't. He wasn't where he wanted to be, but was where God wanted him to be. And he was faithful to God, where God had him, and God used him to reach the chief man on this island for Christ and many others. And look at the result on Malta. Here's the next point. When tough times come, God's people are to remember God's people. God's people are to remember God's people. Not only do we need to cling to God's promises and need to be relying upon his hand of providence to, to guide us in his protection, uh, not only do we need that, not only do we need to be reminded of his plan for us and remain faithful to that plan, but we also need to remember our need for God's people as we have said time and time again god's people need god's people to be where they need to be spiritually and to do what god has called for them to do in ministry and to persevere through the dark and difficult storms of life we have seen that paul needed god's people to give him wisdom and direction and courage and comfort and strength in the tough times and we need it look at verse 11 After three months, we set sail in a ship that had wintered in the island. Remember, they had wrecked their ship, but we learned there was another ship here, a ship of Alexandria, with the twin gods as a figurehead. Again, Luke is just giving us a detailed description. He's with Paul here an eyewitness giving a detailed eyewitness description of this boat and he tells us that on this boat that was docked there for the winter, the ship of Alexandria, there were twin gods on the ship as figureheads and, and commentators believe these twin gods were Castor and Pollux who were the twin sons of Zeus and Leda, who according to Greek mythology protected mariners at sea. Okay? Now I don't believe there's anything more significant than that. Luke is just giving us the details here. Look at verse twelve. Putting in at Syracuse, we stayed there for three days, and from there we made a circuit and arrived at Rhizum, and after one day a south wind sprang up, and on the second day we came to Petoli. There we found brothers and were invited to stay with them for seven days. And so we came to Rome. Verse 15. And the brothers there, when they heard about us, came as far as the forum of Appius and three taverns to meet us. On seeing them, Paul thanked God and took courage. So after staying three months in Malta, Paul and the others still had a long, difficult trip to Rome. They sailed about as many days to Rome from Malta as they were caught in the storm on the way to Malta. I imagine it was a tough final stretch. You ever been on a long car ride and it feels as if the last few hours are the longest? Yeah, I'm sure that's the way it was for Paul and and others uh, with him as well. But notice what God does for Paul on this final difficult stretch. Look at our map once again. We're told after leaving Malta, they landed at Syracuse. They stayed there for three days. Then they went to Rizium and then to Petoli. And at Petoli, Luke says they they found Christian brothers there who invited them to stay with them for seven days. And then Luke says when they were close to the city of Rome, the Christian brothers from Rome heard that they were close and they came out to meet them and escorted them into the city. Some traveled as far as the Forum of Appius, that's about 43 miles outside the city of Rome. And others came to the three taverns, which is about 33 miles outside the city of Rome. And Luke says, on seeing them, Paul thanked God, and he took courage. Now, after a long, difficult journey, I'm sure Paul was wiped out. Don't you? That's an exhausting trip. And I'm sure he had a lot on his mind about what awaited him in in Rome. He knew he was going to be a witness for Christ there, but probably didn't know much more than that. So there's a lot on Paul's mind a lot on his plate, and I'm sure he was exhausted from the trip. So notice what God does for him. He sends believers to him. First he has believers who take him in for several days, and then he sends believers to Paul to strengthen them and comfort them and encourage them. Paul knew that God had sent them to give him strength for his journey and probably to prepare him for what is to come in Rome. And so we're told that when Paul met them, He thanked God and he took courage. When times got tough for Paul, God sent him his people to comfort and strengthen and encourage Paul. And believers, again, if Paul needed God's people in his time of need, get this, you need God's people in your time of need. Scripture is clear. That when times get tough for us, though God gives us grace to endure and his spirit to empower us and strengthen us and his word to guide and direct us, he also gives us his people to comfort us and minister to us and strengthen us. We have this false view in our world today that we're we're Americans. We don't need anybody's help. You know? We make our own way. We pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. That goes counter to Scripture. We don't need the church. We view the church as like a health club. It's there if I need it, but I can work at it home. That's all I really need myself. That goes against Scripture. In that day, Paul and them would have thought that was crazy. We should not live as an island. We need one another. Maybe you're here today and you're going through a difficult time spiritually and you don't know where to turn and what to do, listen to me when I say this. This is the right place for you to be. Look around. Look at your brothers and sisters in Christ. Look to them for wisdom and direction and for courage and for comfort and for strength. So when tough times come, God's people are to remember God's promises, God's providence, God's protection, God's plan, and God's people. And lastly, God's people are to remember God's purposes. Remember God's purposes. Look at verse 16. And when we came into Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier who guarded him. So Paul finally gets to Rome. It's been years since the Lord appeared to him in Jerusalem telling him that he was going to make it to Rome to be his witness there. And here we see Paul finally makes it and we're going to learn next week, Paul didn't squander this opportunity. He doesn't. Next week as we finish out this great book, we are going to end with Paul's great sermon to the Romans. Though he had a, a long, hard trip to Rome, Paul did not forget God's purpose for sending him there. He sent Paul to Rome to be his witness, to be a witness for Christ, and Paul doesn't waste that opportunity. Again, believers, when tough times come, our response is to be like Paul's. We are not to forget God's calling on our life, and we're to be faithful to his purposes and to do our part to fulfill his plan through us. Well, before we close this morning, let me say this. Though I've primarily been addressing believers this morning and what we as believers are to do when times get tough, I also know that there are some here today like there were in the first service, like there are here each and every Sunday who are not trusting in Christ alone for salvation, who are going on this at this life on their own, apart from and opposed to God. If this is you, I have a message for you and it's very, very simple. It's this, you need Jesus. You need Jesus. Whether you're going through a tough time right now or not, whether you feel as if your world is falling apart or not, you need Jesus. Oftentimes, we just hear Jesus presented when people are going through difficulty. No, you need him, no matter what. If you don't know him, you're not trusting in him. You need him. You need him, you know why? Because there is no hope ultimately without him. Scripture is clear. There is no life in you without jesus we're told we are dead spiritually and we deserve judgment those are the facts i don't write the messages i just deliver the mail god wrote those words there are so many who fail to realize this many in our our world today reason in this way they say you know i just don't see a need for Jesus in my life things are going good for me I got a good job great friends loving family things are good for me let me let you in on something I want you to get this scripture is clear that people who reason in this way people who think that there is a life to be lived apart from Christ are blind and headed toward destruction those are the facts I didn't write the message. I just deliver it. Proverbs 14, 12 says this. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. You may think you're okay because life has been good to you so far. You may not see a need for Christ in your life, but God clearly tells us in his word that a life that is lived apart from him is a life that is opposed to him, no matter how benevolent you think you are. A life apart from Christ is a life opposed to him. So what are we to do? Well, we got to turn from our sin. That's what scripture says. We We have to forsake our sin. We have to trust in God's son, our only hope, alone for our salvation to be saved. Jesus came from heaven to earth. He emptied himself. He took on flesh for this purpose, to accomplish our salvation for us, to do what we could never do, He came, he took on flesh, he lived for us, he laid down his life for us, he was raised for us so that we through faith alone in him alone could be forgiven of sin and made right with God. Listen, if you've never made a decision for Christ, if you've never given your life up and over to him, now's the time, today's the day. I urge you, turn from your sin, place your faith alone in Christ alone and be saved. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we thank you for your wonderful word. The truths that are within this book as we just read through a narrative.